Good morning. Uh, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to open up to the book of James, uh, the book of James chapter 4. Book of James chapter 4. That's going to be our primary uh, text today. We are halfway into our series, Lies We Believe and the Truth That Sets Us Free. And what we've learned to this point is that we have a real enemy, right? His name is the devil. His name is, is Satan. And he is raising up arguments against the knowledge of God. And when we believe these arguments, when we believe these lies, it affects the way uh, that we feel, it affects the way that we act, and then, of course, uh, our actions and our emotions then can reinforce the wrong belief or the wrong lie. And it just becomes this damaging cycle uh, that we call a stronghold. Of course, the good news is that there is one who has come to break every chain to set the captives free, and his name is Jesus Christ. He is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. And if we remain in him, if we walk in his ways, if we we stay in his teaching, the Bible says then we will know the truth, and the truth will set us free. And so that's what we're here for this morning, to be set free, to know the truth, to walk in its way. So join me in a word of prayer, if you don't mind. Father, we come before you this morning asking for nothing short of a miracle. It's what we need. We don't need a religious practice. We don't need to go through emotion. We don't need to leave just feeling better about ourselves. We need, in the midst of this desert, to have a burning bush call out our name. We need a holy God to remind us of His holiness and to tell us that we're on holy ground. And we need our worlds to be disrupted and shaken. And so Holy Spirit, we're going to ask that you would come now and and do just that. That you would just take this pulpit and that you would speak from it. And that we would be shaken that, that our lives would be twisted and turned um, so that they might represent you and your glory, that they might declare your story. And this morning we just confess we're a people of great need. So God, come and meet with your people. Come and change us from the inside out. Make us and mold us into the image of Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. Be glorified in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, guys, to this point in our study, to this point in our study, we've primarily talked about how these lies that we have believed play out in our relationship with God, how how these lies we believe affect our vertical relationship, right? Well, this morning, we're going to shift gears a little bit. Now, we're going to talk about our horizontal relationships. We're going to talk about how when we believe certain lies from the enemy, uh, it really disrupts and affects our relationships with one another. And some of you may say, why is that so important? That's important because the second greatest command in all of Scripture, right, is to love your neighbor, is to love one another. And so it's very important that we understand what we're called to do in relationship to one another. And so this morning, that's what we're going to do. Now, all of this comes with a word of caution, okay? Because we're going to be talking about people over the next few weeks, because we're going to be talking uh, about ourselves and and others, 
um, we need to say a few things. And one is that all people are deeply sinful and impacted by the fall. Okay, we just need to remember that. That all people are deeply sinful and impacted by the fall. This morning, uh, as we talk about people, I need you to know we're going to be talking in generalities. These are principles that are, are usually true in most circumstances. All right? But, but th- there is some speak in generalities because there's no way that you could, you could possibly um, talk to and speak to every relationship that you have all at one time, right? So we're going to give you some general um, principles that apply to the majority of relationships in our lives. But I also want to tell you that we recognize because of our brokenness, because of the level of depravity in our world today, that in a room this size, there are no doubt people here that have experienced great hurt, all right? In a room this size, there are no doubt people that have found themselves in abusive relationships, And so I just want to hit pause for a second, and I I want to respect you, and I want to honor you. I just want to say, if if that's you, if you've ever been in an abusive relationship, I just want to say a few things before we begin our study so that you know where we're coming from. And the first thing I want to tell you, guys, is that if that's you, that you're in a safe place. We're not here to add on to your hurt. We're not here um, to, to, to try to uh, make you feel guilty about something that you didn't do, that something that was done to you. We're not here to do that. And so I want you to know that this is a safe place. The second thing I want to I say to you is that if you have been or you are currently in an abusive relationship, we want to implore you to get help. We want to implore you to get help. There are, there are more resources today than there have ever been available to people that find themselves in abusive relationships. You can, you, you can get on your phone. You, you can you know, use the Google. You can have Siri. T- I, mean, I mean, there are a million different ways that you can find to reach out to help. If for some reason you have no access to those, come to us and we will help you get help, okay? And here's the last thing I'm going to say to you. If um, you're here and you have been in an abusive relationship or are currently, I want you to understand this morning that what we're going to talk about, while it is meant to be applied to most of the relationships in your life, we are in no way suggesting that these principles should be applied to your abusive relationship. Okay? Please do not internalize what we're going to say this morning and apply it to your abusive relationship and think that somehow you are to blame for what has been done to you. Okay? All right? So again, if if that's you this morning, I just want you to know our heart hurts for you. I want you to know that we'll be praying for you. I want you to know that there is a way out. Please reach out and get help, okay? I hate to say that. Some of you are like, man, that is a downer as we begin to talk about relationships. But friends, I'm just going to tell you, if you don't think that's a reality, then, then I, 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 don't, I don't know where you're living. That's a, that's a reality of our life. And we're going to talk about relationships. We need to admit there is, there is great damage been done through some of our relationships. And so when we're going to talk about the biblical narrative and, and how certain lies impact our relationships, we need to frame that conversation rightly so that people who have been hurt and damaged by others don't walk away feeling worse about themselves. Do you understand where I'm coming from? Okay, so we just want to have that conversation up front. Now, having said that, um, you're like, wow, what is this live we're going to talk about this morning? All right, here it is. Here it is. Our live this morning. If my circumstances were different, I would be happy. Right? That's the lie we're going to address this morning. If my circumstances were different, 
You can even put a then in there. If my circumstances were different, then I would be happy, right? Another way to, to say this might, might be to say that um, it is someone or something else's fault that I'm not happy. It, it, it is someone or it is something else's fault that I'm not happy. And, and this lie has deep, deep roots. It's about shirking responsibility. It's about shifting blame. And it, its roots are found all the way back in the garden as Adam replies to the question of God when he says, Adam, did you eat of the tree that I told you not to eat of? And Adam's infamous response in Genesis 3.12 is this, right? The man replies, well... God, uh, it's, it's the woman. It's the woman, right? I mean, he's, did you eat of the tree? He doesn't say, yes, I ate of the tree. He says, the woman. And get this, he doesn't stop at placing blame on Eve. He says, it's the woman that you put me here with. It's, it's your fault, God. It's her fault. It's your fault. It ain't my fault, God. And the moment that Adam disobeys God... The moment that sin enters the world, what a change. Guys, this is the same Adam that just a few verses ago was singing God's praises for Eve. He was like, hallelujah, amen. I mean, it was a chorus, I mean, you have done good, God. And I will call her woman, sure, for, for she is flesh of my flesh and bone of my bones. And she is naked and I am unashamed. Because it's good, God. And he changes his tone now and he says, no, 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 it's not on me, God. It's on her. It's her fault. Not only is it her fault, God, you know what, while I'm thinking about it, you know what, you are the one that put me here with her to start with. It's your fault, God. Parents, let me ask you a question. Have you ever had your children blame you for something they did wrong? You know, that moment where life is about to end for that child you brought into the world. You look at them and fire burns and you're, I got to believe that's where God is coming. God is like, whoa, buddy, you better watch it. I, I, I made you from the dust. There's some more dirt around here, brother. If you weren't made in my image, I tell you what. And in that moment... In sin, the blame game is born. And boy, has it become popular. I read uh, this week, the most popular game in the world right now is an online game called Fortnite. Fortnite. Uh, if, if, if you don't know uh, what your kids play, they probably play this game. Uh, Fortnite has over 40 million users log on every month uh, many of them daily, to play this game, all right? It is the most popular game in the world. That's crazy, 40 million people. But I want to tell you, that pales in comparison to the number of people that wake up every day and participate and play the blame game, right? Because it goes something like this. If I had only married someone else, if my spouse loved me, if my kids listened to me, if my parents paid attention to me, if my employer encouraged me, then things would be different then I would be happy. And while it, the lie manifests itself in many ways, its roots are found in a belief that outside factors and forces are the reason for the inner turmoil in our life. 
See, that's the root of the lie, that outside forces and factors are the reason for the inner turmoil in our life. That it's what happens on the outside that determines the condition of the inside. And so this morning, I just want to share with you a couple of principles, just two really Two biblical principles that I believe strongly reject this notion. Okay? And here's the first. Ready? Jesus teaches his disciples and teaches us. It's the first principle. Ready? That nothing from the outside can defile us. Nothing from the outside can defile the inner man. All right, that's the first principle. We're, we're going to apply these principles. Remember, this, this, this lie is rooted in a belief that outside forces and factors are the reason for the inner turmoil in our life. And the very first principle that the Bible um, teaches, I think we need to apply to this, is that Jesus says nothing from the outside can defile the inner man. I want you to uh, look at this with me. This is Mark chapter 7, verse 15 on the screen. It says, uh, Jesus speaking, he says, nothing that goes into a person from outside can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him, all right? Baptists, I love you, right? We've talked about Baptist church before. Baptists are known for having all kinds of rules of things that we don't do on the outside. We don't drink. We don't dance. We don't do, okay? Remember we said, like, drinking's not a sin. What's a sin is, is to abuse that, to be drunk. Uh, we, we, we talk about all kinds of sins. Like, we, we are these kind of people. Uh, we like rules, But Jesus is very clear when it comes to the rules. He says, there's nothing on the outside of a man that can defile the inside of a man. Rather, he says, what defiles a man is what is on the inside and comes out. Right? In this passage, the Pharisees have asked Jesus about why his disciples don't ceremonially wash their hands. And the implication is that somehow um, uh, the, the observance of this outward man-made tradition is proof of an inward purity and cleanliness, that, that somehow washing your, your hands then, then cleanses your heart, right? Well, if I do this on the outside, it cleanses me on the inside. I, I don't want to be brash, but Jesus basically says bull, right? I mean, that's really, he basically just call, calls, like, calls him car. He's like, that, that's bull, right? And he's like, no, that, that is not the case. That's, that's not how it works. He says, you misunderstand holiness, you misunderstand the human condition, and you misunderstand your heart. That is not how the heart works. That's not how human beings work. That's not how the Spirit of God works. And Jesus just kind of calls him to the carpet. He says, nothing from the outside defiles the inside of a man. That is not how it works, Right? I mean, think about this way. The branches of a tree do not decide in the spring which kind of fruit they will bear. The the branches of the tree don't don't sit there in the spring as they begin to bud and say, you know what, this year I think we'll produce some oranges instead of apples. The the, the branches, the buds, don't then speak back to the roots and say, hey, you know what, we're going to change our identity. We've decided we're an orange tree. Because the roots be like, that ain't how it works, buddy. Because, because long ago, a seed was planted, and that was an apple seed. And from that apple seed brings forth an apple tree. And an apple tree only produces apples. It's from the inside out. The branch cannot say to the root, I declare you are something different. It doesn't go from the outside in. It always comes from the inside out. Boy, there's, there's a whole lot of places that could apply in our world today. I just thought about that. Woo. 
That's a sermon there. I want you to listen to these words of Jesus. Matthew chapter 12, verse 34 and 35. He says, for the mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. Okay? A good person produces good things from his storeroom of good. And an evil person produces evil things from his storeroom of evil. The storeroom is within. From, from the overflow of your heart, that's your storeroom, from the overflow of your heart, your mouth is going to speak. Saying, you don't store this stuff outside. This isn't some kind of evil cereal you ate, right? You, you didn't have some evil uh, pancakes and waffles this morning. That's, that's not, you didn't eat yourself an evil muffin, right? It didn't come that way. No, the evil came from your storehouse because you've been storing it up in your heart. That's where your evil comes from. It ain't no evil pancake, ain't no evil muffin, wasn't a bad chocolate chip, right? The evil that you produce came from within your heart. From the overflow of your heart is where your mouth speaks. That's the storeroom, right? That, that's the place. From the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So that, that's just the first principle, okay? Jesus teaches clearly, like, nothing from the outside of man defiles the inside of man. So if we're going to talk about a sin whose roots declare that outside forces and factors are the reason for inner turmoil, I think we just have to like heed the words of Jesus. I know that Jesus is, is specifically, like I, I know he's, he's talking about holiness, but I believe that same principle applies to happiness. All right, you got it? It's principle one. Now the second principle the Bible declares is this? It says the majority of conflict in our lives arises out of the unmet desires of our hearts. The majority of conflict in our lives arises out of the unmet desires of our hearts. And if you're taking notes, I want you to circle the word unmet. I just want you to circle the word unmet for a second. The majority of conflict in our lives arises out of the unmet desires of our hearts. So if we're going to talk about outside forces' ability to cause uh, happiness or unhappiness, to cause anger or frustration, we kind of have to dig a little bit, right? We've kind of got to get to the root of We have to identify who the culprit really is. And, and so uh, here is what the Bible declares about the majority of the conflict in our lives. I told you to uh, turn your Bibles to James chapter 4. That's where we are now, James chapter 4, and I'm going to read verse 1 through 10. I'll give you a second. James chapter 4, verse 1 through 10. The Word of God says this. It says, what is the source of wars and fights among you? Don't they come from your passions that wage war, where? Within you. You desire and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and wage war. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and don't receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures, you adulterous people. Don't you know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? So whoever wants to be the friend of the world becomes the enemy of God. Or do you think it's without reason that Scripture says the spirit he made to dwell in us envies intensely? But he gives greater grace. Therefore, he says, 
God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself before the Lord, and he will exalt you. So where does the conflict come from? Where does the turmoil in our life come from? That's the question in verse 1. What causes fights and quarrels among you? That's that's James is saying, so where does it come from? That's verse 1. And then verse 2, he answers his question. He says, you want to know where it comes from? It comes from within you. That's the answer. (laughs) Why are you guys at odds with each other? Ready? Because of what's in you. That's why. Where's the place? Where's the source? The source is your your heart, James says. Our cause, he says, are our unmet desires. The the, the source of conflict. Don't they come from your passions that wage war within you? Ready? You desire and you do not have. The the source of your struggle with other people is the unmet desires in your heart. I want you to think about the gravity of that for a moment. And and he doesn't stop there in in the self-assessment. The text goes on. It says it's actually our unmet desires are selfish and are prideful. That's why it has that whole thing about God opposes the proud, but he's going to give grace continually to those that are humble, right? And here's what our text is screaming to all of us. Ready? This is a blind spot in your life. That's what the text is screaming, right? When, when, when Jesus says, hey, don't, don't look at the speck in your brother's eye. Because you got a plank in your own. Jesus is saying, you don't see this. This is a blind spot in your life. I'm, gonna, I'm telling you right now that you do not recognize that the majority of the turmoil in your life is not because of outside sources. It's not because other people are certain ways or they say certain things. It's not because the rest of your family is from Arkansas. You know what I'm saying? I love you if you're from Arkansas. It's a joke. It's a joke. You put South Texas in that wherever you want to go. The reason for the turmoil in your life is not because of those outside sources. It's because there are things in your heart, desires that you have that are unmet, expectations that you have that you have not spoken even to God. Did you catch that? So you don't have because you haven't asked. We walk around with unmet expectations and desires. We have not even talked to them, uh, talked to Jesus about these things, and much less talked to the other people in our life. Yet we expect people to know what we're looking for. We haven't even talked to God about it. We haven't talked to our spouse about it. We haven't talked to our children about it. Here's my expectation. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but you better meet it, buddy, or else I'm going to lose it. And it's not going to be my fault. It's going to be your fault. And scripture puts a mirror up to you and says, you're pointing at yourself, buddy. You're pointing at yourself because the turmoil in your life, the majority of it has nothing to do with anyone else. 
It has to do with the fact that you're walking around with unmet desires and expectations that you're placing on other people and it is damaging every relationship in your life. You feel the gravity of that? Your unmet expectations, your unspoken, even to God, expectations are killing your relationships with others. Texas saying, man, this stuff out here, these relationships out here, ready, they're a mess because this right here is a mess. That's the declaration of the text. Wow. Right? This stuff out here is a mess because of the turmoil in here. See, we say things like, uh, Man, my kids made me so mad. Man, my wife drove me crazy. We make these big declarations. And what we're trying to say in those moments is, I'm not normally like this. We're trying to convince ourselves, I'm I'm not normally an angry person. Right? No, no, no. Listen, normally, I mean, I really am a patient man. I really am kind. I, I promise I'm, I'm loving. I can be generous, right? It, it's not me. It's them. It's their fault. And of course, if we stop and we kind of slow motion this out like we are this morning, we realize how silly that sounds. But we don't. We don't ever hit slow motion. We don't ever slow it down. We don't ever stop. We don't ever contemplate. And you're here this morning, you're going, oh my gosh, that's me. It's been me a million times. Let me, let me tell you what I, I, I the, the truth is. When I, when I say my kids made me so mad, right? If I scream at my children, if I yell at my children, I've done that before. I'm a sinner. I'm gonna, I, I, I have a tendency to say, man, you made me do it. You made me. You made me God. You gave me the kids, right? I'm, I'm, I'm Adam. I, I have, I've given my children back to God. I don't know if you've done that before. You've been there? Lord, I'm just giving them back to you. You know what I'm saying? You gave them to me. They're going to be yours. They're yours from here on out. They can live in my house, which is your house, but they are yours. You're in charge. And God looks at you like that's the way it works, huh? Really? Slap you around a little bit. That is not the way it works. So man, when I lose it, when I yell at my kids, um, here's the reality behind it. They did not make me angry. What they revealed was the deep hidden sin of my heart that that week, that day, that month, I had not been walking in the spirit of God. Therefore, I did not possess the spiritual fruit of self-control. My heart was not full of love and joy and peace and patience. It was stirring like a storm beneath the surface because I had not been resting and abiding in Christ. And my children just brought that truth out. They didn't make me do anything. They just revealed that that's who I am. They revealed my deep need for Jesus. That's what's going on in your life, friends. That's what your, your spouse doesn't make you crazy. Your spouse reveals the deep level of sin in your heart and your deep need for Jesus Christ. That's what your spouse does. For that, we should say, thank you, God, 
Thank you, God. For that, we should fold our hands, not shake our hands. You following me? So the lie, if my circumstances were different, then I would be happy. The truth is that nothing from the outside defiles me. My unmet, unspoken, selfish expectations lead to most of the conflict in my life. Another way to say that truth is to say this, ready? While we can't control our circumstances, we can control how we respond to them. While we can't control our circumstances, we can control how we respond to them. I just want to tell you a little truth, and you probably already know it. I'm just here to remind you of things. Ready? You cannot ever change another person. You can't change the way that they will speak to you. You cannot change who they are. You cannot change who they act. If anybody's been married for any time longer than a week, you know this to be true. Right? You, you ain't going to change them. I mean, the to- I, you put the choice in. I, that was a courtesy to you. I didn't want you to sit on something that the kids had peed on. I was helping you out. It's a courtesy. You're not going to change somebody. So what can you do? You change the only person you can change. And that is you. You change how you respond to the person. You, you, you change the level of grace that you give them. You change the way that you, you interpret and you take in their messages, right? You change the only person that can change the dynamics of the relationship, and that is you. It's huge. It's huge. That's the truth. That's what the Bible, and, and, and listen, for this, is, this is like the theme of the Bible over and over and over again, right? Don't, don't point out a speck, work on your plank, right? I, I, so I tell you, forgive as you have been forgiven. Like this is the theme. Like Jesus constantly calls us back to ourselves. He doesn't say, hey, press in and attack everyone else. He says, no, go look and work on yourself. That's the call of Scripture over and over and over and over and over. And so I say um, to the husband that's just hanging on, love your wife as Christ loved the church, no matter um, how open or shut the bedroom door is. Right? And I say to the wife whose husband isn't serving her the way that Christ loved the church, I say to her, man, continue to submit to him as unto the Lord. Because that's what the Bible calls you to do. It's not about what they get in return. And I, I say to the parent who's, whose kids are not honoring and respecting them, it's okay to discipline your children, but don't step out of the fruit of the Spirit when you do. Change how you respond. Change your heart. Remember that you too were a rebellious spirit. And what worked best with you? Was it the belt? Or was it the Bible? You know what I'm saying? There is a way we can do things. So how, uh, how, how do we, how do we, how, man, how, what do we do with that? You know what I'm saying? That, that's not a small lie, is it? You guys thought for a second, you thought, oh man, that's nothing. This circumstance thing, I got that. I got that whooped. And then we open it up, you're like, oh, dang. Uh, so what do we do? So I, I want to give you three steps. This is not all you should do, by the way. This is just the beginning, right? We got to take some steps. So I want to give you the very first step on the back of your sermon notes. 
uh, is some application. And so uh, I want you to do this. I'm going to give you the three things that are going to, we're, we're going to walk through the th- three things. So the first thing I want to challenge you to do is I want you to draw out a conflict map. Okay. Draw out a conflict map. I'm going to explain what I mean. Now, underneath all those, those first three things, there's an open section on your sermon notes. So I want you to draw real quick, all right? So you start with me. You just write me or your name, right? I was looking at Jeff, so you write down Jeff, uh, right? Don't write down Jason. It ain't my fault, brother. It's your, it's, this is you. Okay, so write down, write down me, okay? And then I, I really do, I want you to write the name uh, and if you don't want to be specific about the person, you can just put my kids, my family, my employer. But I want you to write everybody in your life, uh, I, want you, I want you to map out on that bottom section, every place of conflict uh, relationally in your life right now. For real, right now. I'm going to give you, you got two minutes. I'm, I'm assuming you guys don't have much conflict that you're walking in the spirit, right? <clears throat> okay. I'll just give you a couple minutes. That's, it's all right. It's all right to have a little quiet time in church. It's just, just right to every source of conflict. Man, I'm in conflict with my kids. Uh, I'm in conflict with my neighbor. I'm, I'm in conflict with that, that person uh, on Facebook that has that opposing political view. I'm in conflict with all those people. I'm in conflict with CNN. I'm in conflict with Fox News, you name it, right? I'm in conflict with the school board. I'm in conflict, conflict, everybody you're mad at. Conflict map, just write it all down, okay? When, you, when, you, when you're close to, to jotting down all the people you're at conflict with, just look up here, and I'll, I'll know that we can move on. Don't you be acting like you're not in any conflict with anybody, bunch of liars. I, I, you better be writing something down. I'm a saint. I have no conflicts in my life. And if I do, it's not my fault. <clears throat> we'll be preaching the message now. Uh, so you got down conflict. Now listen, if you've got to fill this out later, but, but you, you, you've got most of it. So that's the first step. Draw out this conflict map. You and everybody else you're in conflict with, maybe uh, you kind of see where I'm headed. So here's the second thing I want you to do. Ready? Draw a circle around yourself on the map. Just, just me, right there. So you draw a circle. That, this should not take as long as it did to map out the whole thing. Just a circle. All right? So draw a circle around yourself on that map. I know you got to write it down, then you have to draw the circle. So I'm going to give you time to do both. All right? So draw a circle around yourself on the conflict map. And here's what I want you to do this week. Ready? Third thing. This week, work on everyone in that circle. Okay? That's it. That's it. That's your homework this week. I drew out a conflict map. I know everybody in my life that I'm in conflict with. I've drawn a circle around me. And this week, I'm going to work on everybody in that circle. All right? Pray with me. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for your word. I pray that we've received it well. I pray that we've received it in the spirit that it was meant. And I pray that because of it, we will leave here changed people from which we came in. Jesus, we love you. We praise you. Help us this week focus on the source of the conflict in our life, which is us. We love you. It's in your name that we ask these things. All God's people said, Amen. Amen.